Welcome back to another episode of Standing Room Only. We're excited to bring you a special episode this week um, to kind of mark the halfway point of the NHL regular season. Matt, can you believe we're already halfway through the season? No, it's crazy to think about. I feel like it's just started, but um, kudos to the NHL for getting to this point and hopefully... You know, there's no there's no hiccups coming down the stretch here. Yeah, we've had a, a few hiccups with uh, COVID, you know, delaying teens and, and kind of setting them back a couple weeks. Uh, most recently, we saw the Rangers coaching staff actually all out tonight versus the Flyers. So um, it's going to be interesting. They're apparently bringing in the AHL staff. So Yeah, that's brutal. Who would have thought there's a taxi squad for the coaching staff now, huh? Exactly. Um, all right, so why don't we just get into a little bit of what we're going to do today. We're just going to go through, you know, kind of current news, um, obviously do our fantasy studs and duds of the week, uh, give you a little update on who we said at the beginning of the season uh, as our hot takes, who would win each division and each um, major trophy award winner. Um, we'll go through update through an update there and kind of just, you know, maybe give our second half predictions as well. Um, and then we'll just wrap it up talking about the trade deadline approaching um, and maybe some big big trade bait out there and stuff like that. So, uh, Matt, let's get started with some current news. Obviously, this is very sad this past week, um, but everyone saw, I think, a young uh, Russian player. I think he was 18 or 19 years old, took a puck to the face and uh, went to the hospital, and they, they tried to keep him alive, but unfortunately he passed away. Um, how did you kind of take it? Yeah, it's unfortunate now. This is two episodes in a row that we've had to open, you know, I guess announcing a death in the hockey world. This one was so tragic, as was Walter Gretzky's. But I saw the play, and it was just, you know, a series of unfortunate events where he seemed to have uh, lost his helmet during the play and was skating off the ice and unfortunately blocked a shot. Um, it looked like a dump in from his teammates. So, um, you know, I, I was seeing that it, doctors tried to revive him over the course of three days just to no avail. So super sad, and, and you really hope that um, – this, this doesn't happen again for any player out there. Yeah, it just, to me, it just really hits home of, like, you know, growing up playing. Like, I wore a visor sometimes, and, like, that could have happened in, in a split second, and, and it's just crazy to think of that. And, and, you know, it's really lucky that I made it through without having any uh, really bad injuries that way. Um, I, I think my it was my last ever competitive hockey game. I took a slap shot to the face. So just feeling really lucky, you know, that that didn't, you know, turn out to be more. And, um, I walked away from it. Um, not everyone's as lucky. I, I kind of understand that. So, uh, you know, all, all our thoughts and prayers are going to, uh, the family of, of the kid, um, and the whole hockey community is kind of showing their support. Um, but moving on to our hometown Leafs, uh, recently GM Kyle Dubas kind of was, came out to the media and said, you know, he's willing to trade to get, um, some pieces for this year. Uh, what have you heard on that front? Anything interesting? Yeah. Well, a lot's happened in the last 24 hours with regards to the Leafs. I think overall, um, the media is just so hard on them. You know, they are kind of one of the NHL's priority fan bases. But if they go on a two-game losing streak, you know, all the headlines and articles out there are just about how the Leafs are done or they still won't make, win the playoffs or anything like that. But then when they win a couple in a row, the articles and the headlines by the same writers are coming out saying that the basically the Leafs are the best team in the league. So, um, yeah, Jay, to relay what you're talking about so Dubas had his kind of mid-season press conference and a lot of the discussion was around the trade deadline and he basically made it clear that you know uh, anyone's up for grabs they're going to be in the market looking to bring in another piece primarily on the forward end he said and um, in the last 24 hours too uh, Jimmy VC was sent to waivers and claimed by Vancouver so while he was a depth piece for the team sucks to see him go he seemed to be really picking up some steam on that third line in the last couple weeks scoring a couple big goals for them and uh um you gotta wonder if Dubas has has a master plan in place to maybe bring bring in his uh inevitable replacement what do you think though yeah well I mean just to touch on your point about the media um Toronto media is by far the worst I think uh, um they they honestly just love making a headline and making a story and it kind of drives me nuts but um yeah I think you know, they're going to approach this deadline, um, you know, very competitively. Their their window is now to win. So I think, you know, Dubas is right when he's saying they'll trade their, their top prospects for uh, for a top-end talent up for, on forward, right? Like, I think their their top two lines are really good, obviously, when you have guys like Matthews, Marner, Tavares, 
Nylander. You're gonna have you're gonna have good lines, but yeah, just adding another player uh, up front is just gonna help them go up against the likes of you know Edmonton, Winnipeg, and those top two lines. No, totally. Um, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what does transpire with the Leafs over the next month with the trade deadline. I feel like Dubas is always an one of the active GMs around that time, and he's not afraid to move guys around or make the deals he thinks will put them in the best place to win. So definitely something to keep an eye on as a Leafs fan um, you hope that he can keep this core that he's built intact I don't think that he would want to trade a prospect or one of these guys you know like a Sandine or Wilgren unless he had to but if it's to bring in a piece that could maybe push them over the line in a, in a playoff push this year that'll be it'll be really interesting to see what happens there um, some people are still talking about you know trading Nylander for for maybe a piece, another forward upgrade or something. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a good good choice? Or do you like Nylander's contract and having him around? It's tough, right? Like, he is an expensive player. He's a great player. He's only 24, 25 years old. And um, I don't know. It, it really depends on what the return is for him. I think you, you think of the cap concerns and, and how the cap is probably going to either stay stagnant or even be lowered moving forward. And how many teams are going to be struggling with that? Like it would make sense in that regards, but it's always tough trading kind of one of your, your cornerstone players. I know he's maybe in the second tier behind obviously Matthews and Marner, but I don't think Dubas would be actively looking to trade him. But if something, if an offer came to him that, you know, he couldn't resist maybe an upgrade on the defensive side or, or maybe a forward that better complements kind of our superstars, then I don't see why he wouldn't deal him. What do you think, though? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been picking up his game a bit of late. Um, he's started to score some goals, and the puck's starting to find the back of the net for him, so that's good. Um, I personally don't mind Nylander. Um, the, the fans in Toronto really don't like him that much. It seems like they're always ta- saying that they should trade him. But I think, you know, for what he brings, his contract's actually not too bad. Like, Six six and a half million for a guy that he's on pace to score, you know, thirty plus goals in an eighty two game season. Like, that's probably pretty good value on on an open free agent market and stuff for a guy. So, um, I don't mind the I, I don't mind Nylander. Um, I think, you know, I like him with Tavares. I think they just need to find that third guy for that line that really fits and really helps them. And um, we'll talk about that a bit later in the episode of kind of the trade deadline. But I think there are some pieces uh, that might be available that that could do that. So. Uh, we'll we'll touch a bit on that later, but let's talk about one team that's you know they've already started making some moves. Um, they're not moving players, but they did fire their coach this week, and you know they're kind of a hot topic on our last couple episodes right now. But uh, let's just bring them back up. So the Buffalo Sabers, um, they fired their coach this week um, after a 12-game losing streak. Yeah, well, making moves is an understatement. Um, I think that was long overdue. They're still you know currently on this 12-game losing streak and. I don't know what's in the water in Buffalo, but something seems to be up there. They have the talent to, you know, at least compete in the NHL, and it's just not there. It's not clicking for them. So I think the big decision they're going to have to make, Jay, in the next month is what do you do with Hall and Eichel? Are you going to blow this thing up and try and rebuild, maybe get some draft capital for this year or next year and uh, bring in some younger prospects? I know we last episode we talked about a potential um, deal with the Rangers for Eichel bringing in you know someone like you know, Lafreniere or something like that but I think that's what they're really gonna have to think long and hard about is like what's the future of this team look like are we gonna go full rebuild mode are we gonna you know trust in our guys and hope that this COVID year this kind of weird year is just uh, an anomaly and we'll be back next year or um, what do you think like where did what's the next step uh, logically for them moving forward yeah it's tough um, I think if they choose to go the route of you know moving hall and moving eichel for for future pieces it's gonna be a really long and, and slow rebuild because they don't really have a, a great you know core group of guys there so um it's always hard to do a rebuild when you don't have that core group of guys um you know to trade for more assets or to kind of keep your team competitive as you bring up young guys and stuff like that so it'll be interesting i think it's gonna be a long process in buffalo um yeah and we'll see how the fans you know the fans are really not happy i i I think it was released this week by the New York uh, newspaper or something, uh, power rankings for the NHL franchises, and Buffalo was actually ranked last behind Seattle, uh, <laughs> who hasn't even, you know, they haven't even picked their team yet. So they were 32 behind a, a, an expansion team that has yet to draft. So it's going to be a long process there and, and not going to be fun for Sabres fans. Hey, I, I don't disagree with that article either. 
yeah, yeah, not a great, not a great uh, organization right now. All right, uh, before we kind of get into our fantasy studs and duds, real quick, Matt, uh, are you a big March Madness uh, basketball fan, uh, and do you follow the tournament? All right, so let me preface this. I'm a huge March Madness fan, um, and by March Madness, I don't watch college basketball until March comes around, Then I consider myself a bracket expert. So the school I've always cheered for as a kid is Michigan. This year, they're actually the one seed in the bracket, so... Hard not to pick them to win the national championship this year, although I do pick them to win every year too. So this isn't really a hot take, but uh, that's who I'll be riding with is my Wolverines. But what about you, Jay? Will you be watching? Will you be filling out a bracket? And and if so, who's kind of your team you're looking to pick to win this year? Yeah, so um, I'm very similar to you. I don't watch college basketball until March comes around. Then I, I really watch March Madness quite closely. But um, And I also do a bracket you know, with family and friends and we're going to do another one this year. I haven't done it yet, um, but usually I'm a big believer in just choosing whichever name I like better. Let's go. Um, I don't I don't really read too much about it, or uh, sometimes, you know, I read their, their players' names, and if there's someone I like, I choose them. So, I, you know, really, I really think about it hard uh, when it comes to my bracket. No, absolutely. It's such a... It's such a shit show anyways. You know, you see these things about the people winning the office pools based on picking jersey colors or team mascots over actually doing any analysis. So at the end of the day, just flip a coin and, and hope that your bracket comes out on top. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So uh, let's go to our fantasy studs and duds uh, for this week. So do you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. So I know I've said on this podcast to kind of update, you know, my fantasy leagues. It started off really hot, 5-0, and won my first five weeks. I'm now in a three-game skid, so I don't know what's going on. I think it's due to the fact that I was way too high on my team and I didn't try and trade any of my um, kind of mid, mid-range mid and low-range players while they're hot, and now I'm kind of stuck with these guys going through their slumps. But the stud I have this week, uh, four points last night, Nazem Kadri. He looks awesome this year. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the bias I had of watching him play with the Leafs. I didn't love him as a Leaf. He was kind of that like annoying antagonist that it's tough to cheer for in your team, but he's producing at a high level in Colorado. He's playing on that second line and getting some power play minutes. And yeah, he looks awesome. He's kind of uh, rejuvenated his career there, and it kind of helps when you're playing on one of the best offensive teams in the league. So. Kadri's my pick. Who do you have as your stud right now, Jay? Yeah, well, you know, I have Kadri in one of my uh, leagues, and he had a tough start this year, but he's really turned around lately. Um, again, being on that power play there, um, you're going you're gonna to get points. Uh, and I think he's right in the middle on the ice, so uh, a lot of the pucks go right through him to some of the better <laughs> players there. So he's going to get points. But, yeah, uh, my stud this week, um, I'm going to actually take this uh to pittsburgh so against the team that you said wouldn't make the playoffs this year the pittsburgh penguins um malkin and crosby you know they had a slow start and everyone was saying oh is this the decline of pittsburgh and and kind of their big four guys there and and all that but no it looks like these guys are still the real deal um in his last eight games malkin has four goals and eight assists so uh i think he had an assist in all straight eight games so uh pretty impressive and they look like you know they're two of the top 10 players in the league again so i'm gonna go with pittsburgh this week um and then i'll move on to my dud i know we've talked about him a lot over the last you know few episodes and he's had quite the year in the news but it's patrick line uh, he just can't find his way in, in columbus and he's really struggling to put up points and if he's not putting up points he's not going to be very valuable fantasy wise um, it's sad to see such a good player i think a lot of people drafted him you know maybe second third round in a lot of leagues um and he's he's not even in the top you know 300 guys in, in stats right now so it's it's tough look for him and uh you know maybe he'll get a trade before the deadline and maybe a situation gets better but what are your thoughts on that yeah well that's why I was, I was just gonna ask you that is he a dud or is he a buy low do you think he'll kind of turn it around as he gets acclimated in winnipeg or is is he just not the same as he was you know in his prime columbus year or, or uh, winnipeg year sorry yeah, I mean, I guess as if a fantasy team really wants to take the risk on him, um, it could be a perfect buy low chance. Uh, I just, unless he gets traded for Columbus, he's I don't think he's going to be very valuable. You know, they have such a defensive game in Columbus, and they don't really 
focus as much on the offense with Tortorella there, and and that just doesn't fit his style, I don't think. So unless he gets traded, I don't think he should go out and get him for this season. But if you're in a keeper league or something, it's probably a really good time to go get him because his value is probably not going to be lower than this ever. Yeah, totally. He's only like 23 years old to boot too. Yeah, yeah, he's still really young. He's still probably going to be a really good NHL player. I think he's just, you know, his confidence is so low. He's not in a situation that's the best for his style, and and it's just not working. But how about you? Who's your uh, dud for fantasy this week? Yeah, I'm going to go off the grids. I don't even know how many people even have him on his roster anymore, but this was a guy that I thought was still the draft um, in the preseason, which was Pavel Francouz. He was kind of competing with Grubauer there a bit last year. I know Grubauer went down with an injury in Colorado. Sorry, Colorado goaltender, for those who don't know. Um, he's been out all year with just kind of these stupid, like, nagging, lingering issues. Um, he hasn't played a game for me, so he's just taken up space on the IR. I thought I got a steal because, you know, if you can get a piece of that uh, Colorado goaltending duo, you do it because they win so many games, but... Uh, that's someone at this point who I've given up hope in. I know we're midway through the season. He hasn't started a game, and I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. So, you know, that's the way fantasy goes. You just kind of chalk up a couple L's sometimes. You're never going to have a perfect draft, but it's the way she goes sometimes. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm was. i kind of glad that Francouz is not having a good year because I have Grubauer in one of mine. And, uh, you know, obviously with Francouz not playing, Grubauer isn't playing a ton, and he's been winning a lot. So it's good for me. But, uh that's kind of our fantasy stud and dud update. Uh, let's move on to our hot takes update. Um, so at the beginning of the season, or in episode one, we actually went through all the divisions, all the trophy winners, and we tried to predict who we thought would you know, win by the end of the year. So let's just go through the, those who we said uh, and what's currently kind of the situation and just talk about those. So let's start in the North Division, uh, start with our, you know, our, our Canadian division. Um, we both said Toronto would be in the in, in the lead for that division. Uh, that's still true as they're at 40 points. Uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg are actually closing that gap. Um, you know, the Leafs losing a couple in a row. Uh, they're at 36 points, so they've got 2-3. Um, and then fourth, you know, it's between Montreal at 33 points, Calgary at 31, and Vancouver at 30. So really close for that kind of fourth spot. Um, what are your thoughts there and who do you like out of those kind of three teams for that fourth spot? Yeah, it's really interesting. I know we touch on the North a lot. There's been a lot of change over the last, um, you know, a couple weeks with head coaching. You know, you look at Calgary, you look at Montreal, a lot of, uh, a lot of teams are shaking up their coaching staff right now and attempt to kind of push for the playoffs. And I think we, we can't rule out Calgary for making a little push. You know, Daryl Sutter is a coach that all the players really love to play under. Um, he's a hard coach. He wants you to play your hardest every time you're on the ice. And they're having a bit of success. They've won their last three. Um, and it's a team that could, that has the talent up front and um, also a great decor that can maybe make a push to gain, you know, maybe one of those like last playoff spots just get in and cause havoc on whoever's they're playing in the one or two seed. But who do you think, Jay? Who do you think would maybe um, rise up the ranks in the North? Yeah, well, if you want a really tasty lick and real hot take, should we say Ottawa's going to make the playoffs or what? That's brutal. That's brutal. They're going to be playing in the toilet bowl with Buffalo. There's no way Ottawa makes the playoffs. I don't know. They're starting to turn it around now. I think I might jump on the Ottawa bandwagon, you know, me and the four other fans they have right now. Hey, the season's not 152 games long here. They need to they need to start <laughs> stringing together some wins ASAP if they're getting in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's move on to the East. Um, so you said, you know, Boston would win this division, and your hot take was that the Pens would miss uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, and I actually said the Flyers would win this division. So do you want to go through a little update on the East uh, and just go through kind of where teams are at? Yeah, so right now, Capitals are at the top with 42 points. Uh, they're tied with the Islanders, actually, with 42 points. So really close there. We have Pittsburgh sitting in third with 37 points. Um all three of those teams are looking good. You know, you look at Washington and the Islanders, they're nine and one in their last 10 games, Pittsburgh seven and three. And then Boston sitting in fourth place. They've played a couple less games than the other teams um, with 34 points, but that's kind of a tear break there, in my opinion, of the eight teams in this division. I didn't account for how brutal Buffalo is going to be. And, you know, let's throw the Devils in there. Basically, when you're playing those two teams back to back, you're looking for four points. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. I know I picked the Bruins to, you know, place first in the East. 
they're in fourth right now, but uh, with a couple games in hand, you know, they could quickly catch up in points, and it's going to come down to these head-to-head matchups down the stretch, but uh, Washington looks great again. Islanders look like a playoff team, and I know I was hard on the Pens, but they've really turned it around. Their goaltending looks a lot better, and as you mentioned earlier, Sid and Gino look like they're still in their primes out there, so can't knock them to really make a push for first place, but um, what are your thoughts on the East, Jay? As, you know, going back to your hot takes, you had the Flyers. Yeah. They're in fifth right now. I don't think they're going to win. Uh, you know, why'd you take the Flyers, and what are your thoughts on them now? Yeah, uh, I, I thought the Flyers were going to have a good year. You know, I thought they were going to finally put it all together. Uh, they had some younger guys kind of coming up that were gonna. I thought were going to take, you know, bigger steps this year. You know, Hart not, not doing quite what I thought he was going to do. Um, but, you know, they still have a really good core group of guys. I think they could still, you know, push, you know, in the later half of the season. But it's going to be tough for them to kind of reach that top uh, spot in the division. Um, another take from this division is do you think buffalo is going to be last place in the whole league yes yeah yes no questions asked they're they're done they're toast they don't even look like they're competing anymore (laughs) they just want the 2021 22 season to commence so um i don't know uh i guess the only contenders would be you know anaheim looks like they're in a complete rebuilding mode and ottawa we've touched on them enough we don't have to go through that again but uh they have a couple good young players there so i think they're going to string together a couple good wins over the next uh second half of the year yeah buffalo has 16 points so far uh this season that's pretty tough all right moving over to the central um you said tampa bay i said carolina right now we actually have a really close race for the the top of the division so we have tampa bay and florida uh, tied at 42 points each and then we have Carolina right behind them uh, at 41 points so those three teams kind of taking that early gap um, from all the other teams uh, this division again very top heavy um, bottom half not as good um, but Chicago kind of sneaking into that fourth spot right now which would be a playoff spot which is exciting so uh, what are your thoughts here right now you have Tampa Bay winning the division so uh, your hot takes right but the Hurricanes are right behind them yeah no I think this is a pretty status quo division when you look at the top three it's kind of who all the analysts projected would be there um, in the preseason you look at Tampa Bay in first place it's crazy how dominant they still are without arguably their best forward Kucherov who's out um, for the entire regular season so if he can somehow make a push to to return for the playoffs I think you have to label them as, you know, the favorites to beat again this year. So kudos to the Lightning. But uh, Florida and Carolina both look awesome as well. They're just really deep. Like, they roll out four solid lines on forward. Good decor, good goalies. You know, Florida obviously rocking that goaltender duo, which uh, Chris Dreiger, I don't even know if I said that right, but he's kind of been an unsung hero for them, even outplaying Bobrovsky at times for about $8 million a year less. So... It's really interesting and then I think there's just a huge tear break after those three teams as you mentioned in the points we gave the Blackhawks a shout out on our last episode and you know they've kind of came back down to earth uh, since then I don't know uh, if the wheels have fallen off for them or if they'll kind of turn it back around but what are your thoughts on this division as a whole yeah um, just touching on Tampa I think I saw this week that Kucherov actually was skating with the team and, and participating in practice so Maybe he's closer than we think. Maybe he'll come back before the uh, wow. before the playoffs. But I think he should. I was. They were saying he should be back for playoffs at least. So, uh, pretty exciting for Tampa to get a guy like that back uh, into that lineup. So, uh, yeah. Moving on to the West, though, um, we both said you know Colorado would win this division, and they're actually not even in first or second place. So uh, right now, Vegas in first at thirty nine points. Surprise, surprise, in Minnesota in second place with 37. And then Colorado coming in at 36 and St. Louis at 33. So, um, again, this division, we kind of had those bottom teams like San Jose, Anaheim, L.A. that we didn't think we were going to push too hard for that top of the division. But are you surprised, uh, one, at Minnesota, you know, kind of being so high in that division, and two, uh, Colorado not being even in the top two? Yeah, well, I guess starting with Minnesota, I am surprised. I did not think they would be – that great this year I don't know what really changed on their roster from last year to this year to kind of give them that boost I know they brought in Kaprizov who is uh kind of leading for the Calder race there for rookie of the year I know he's 24 years old but they still consider him a rookie because he played a few years in the uh, Russian league the KHL but he looks amazing he's had almost a point per game pace over there for Minnesota 
And I don't think we can rule out Colorado yet. They're only, what is it, three points back of Vegas, and they missed McKinnon. I think Landeskog has also been injured at a point this year. So if they can keep their their you know superstars healthy, they're going to win a ton of games. And it, it may come down to, you know, if I were to project um, maybe the Central, but I think the West may come down to like every point matters for this like top seed coming out of the West. So that'll be really interesting to watch down the stretch too. Yeah, it's going to be a, a fun uh, division. You know, when you have games with Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, all those teams, uh, it's pretty competitive and pretty good hockey to watch. Um, so that kind of wraps up our divisions. Um, let's go through quickly just through the uh, trophy winners. Um, so, yeah, I'll just kind of start listing them off. So for the Hart Trophy, um, which is, you know, MVP kind of for the regular season, uh, you said McDavid, I said Matthews. We've kind of had this debate all year um, about them and comparing them. Um, right now, McDavid is at 53 points, which is, is pretty crazy. Matthews, you know, is 36, played played some less games, scored a lot more goals, less assists, stuff like that. Um, in your mind, is it still between these two, or is there someone else that's kind of emerged? Yeah, well, I have another name to throw at you. Uh, it might not be what a lot of people are thinking, but I think Andre Vasilevsky deserves, um, you know, some creditation to maybe winning the heart this year. He is... Um, I'll pull this stat up. Since February 22nd, he hasn't lost a game. He's gone 9-0 and in that stretch. And what's even crazier is that every game that the backup, uh, I think it's um, McElhaney started, they've lost. So he is such a key piece for Tampa. They basically start him every night now. And he plays incredible whenever he's in the net. Um, so I think he's right in the running. You know, Matthews, unfortunately, his injuries kind of slowed him down. He still doesn't look the same. McDavid's playing as good as he is, but... You know, you look at Tampa and the success they're having as a team, and you wonder if that, you know, kind of factors into the heart. It's like Edmonton, um, obviously McDavid and Dreisaitl are incredible, but do you think team performance should factor into that? I know they're second in the North, but if they were to slip, do you think voters will maybe start thinking about, um, you know, giving this to someone else, or do you think it's McDavid or Matthews to to kind of run away with? No, I I like what you said with Vasilevsky. Um, The one thing I would say to kind of counter that is, you know, Tampa is a really good team, so um, he is a really good goalie, and he's a part, obviously, a big part of why they're good. Um, but I think, you know, when it comes to the Hart Trophy uh, voting, uh, voters oftentimes look at kind of the guy who who took a team from, you know, where they were to another level. Um, and so for me, the guy who stands out this year for that is actually Patrick Kane. Um, we just talked about Chicago. You know, they're still in a playoff spot. They're slipping a little bit right now. Um, but I think, you know, it was fair to say at the beginning of the year, everyone kind of thought they were going to take a big step back this year. Um, There's a lot of talks, you know, in, in the media about them rebuilding and stuff like that. Um, but Kane has looked like he's been on a mission this year, and he's really leading that team, especially with, you know, Taves out this year. Uh, Kane's really taking that role as the leader with those young guys. And, you know, he's got 42 points right now, which is really good i mean in any given year 42 could probably be leading right now but with guys like mcdavid and drysdale it's a bit hard but yeah patrick kane's looking like you know the best he's looked in years and and uh i i would throw his name out there for heart if they can make the playoffs yeah no he's incredible and um they kind of just rely on him in chicago they don't have a ton of goal scores but him and the rise of different cats been awesome to watch this year so yeah no i'm totally on the Kane bandwagon for heart as well like I think it's nice to kind of broaden this conversation a bit from the McDavid versus Matthews because, you know, it's so talked about, uh, I guess, every year, really. But uh, it's awesome to see some guys kind of pop up in the conversation for the heart. So it'll be interesting to see what happens down the stretch here. When you are in such a short season, you got to maybe even account for, like, games missed due to injury. I know we talked about that with Matthews. So you hope these guys can stay healthy, and it'll be interesting to see who pulls ahead in the end. Yeah, and I think if... If the Leafs, you know, have a really good second half and they finish, I mean, who knows, maybe they win the President's Trophy. Um, I could see Matthews getting it too, you know. He's looked really good. He's scored big goals for them this year. I know McDavid gets a lot more points, but he also plays with Dreisaitl. I mean, Matthews plays with Marner too, so there's kind of that argument as well. But um, I don't know. Matthews has, has really impressed me this year, and I could see him kind of being a Hart Trophy winner too. And, you know, I, I called him at the beginning of the year, so I'm kind of rooting for him, but... Uh, yeah, let's move on to the Rocket. Um, so this is for, you know, the most goals scored. Um, you said Matthews. I said Brock Besser. So just to go through kind of what the goals is at right now, uh, Matthews is still in the lead with 21 goals, even though we just mentioned, you know, he's played less games. Uh, so that's pretty remarkable. 
Um, and then there's a three-way tie in second at 17 goals, and that's McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Tyler Toffoli from Montreal. Um, and then right behind them is Debrinkat with 15. And then the guy I said, uh, you know, for the Rocket, Besser, he's at 12. Brutal. Yeah, it's been it's been tough stretch for him. But what are your thoughts so far? I think the one thing that really jumps out to me is how is Tyler Toffoli on this list? I know. I don't know. I, that's my honest answer. You know, I know he's always been kind of a natural goal scorer, but not to this extent where we kind of speak of him among the elite and in the Rocket Richard race. But uh, yeah, no, I think, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I have nothing to back this up, but I think he kind of pops a lot of empty netters. Uh, I don't know if we're counting that into the fact, but hey, 17 goals is incredible. Only four behind Matthews. But I think the fact that we've touched upon it already but like Matthews has missed like three or four games and he still you know has this pretty commanding lead I think goes to show that this is his to lose in my opinion oh yeah definitely I think it's gonna be tough for people to catch him if he's healthy for the rest of the year because he scores a quite a rate um sorry again to all those Montreal fans we really like to throw the Montreal guys under the bus eh fully yeah, well, it's well needed, you know. The, these guys, uh, their their heads are so big they can't get through the door sometimes. Whenever the Cavs win, so we got to put them back in their place from time to time. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get some messages after this uh, episode releases uh, from some of the Habs fans that I'm friends with, or maybe not friends with, acquaintances with. I don't know. Uh, but okay, moving on to the Calder Trophy. So for Rookie of the Year, uh, you touched on him before, but Kaprizov uh, from Minnesota leading that at 25 points. Uh, second behind him is Stutzel from Ottawa uh, at 18 points, kind of making a surge to catch him. Um, and then, you know, Josh Norris also from Ottawa behind him at 16 and uh, Jason Robertson from Dallas uh, with 15. So uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think Kaprizov's still going to run away with it or do you think Stutzel could uh, catch him? I think it's Kaprizov's to lose. And I think I'll go as far to say as barring some, you know, crazy injury or dry streak, I think Kaprizov's going to win this thing. We talked about Minnesota earlier in the episode, and they've literally transformed as a team, and really the main reason is him. He's been such an unbelievable, you know, offensive spark plug for them, and scoring at a point-per-game rate as a rookie, I know he's a bit older, but that's still incredible, so I think anyone that has that rate of scoring and is, you know, um, his production is attributing to a lot of wins, you know, we've talked about Minnesota being right at the top of the uh, division, so... I think it's his to lose. Stutzel looks awesome too. So um, it's really a one-two race in my opinion between those two. Yeah, we both said Kaprizov would win at the beginning of the season. Um, just curious, just, I want to run this by you. Let's say um, by the end of the season, you know, Kaprizov has, I don't know, 40 points and Stutzel has 35 points. Do you think it'd be more impressive to look at Stutzel, you know, he's 18 or 19 years old, coming in as, you know, such a young kid and, and putting up 35 points, you think that's more impressive than a 23, 24-year-old Kaprizov coming in and put up 40? Yeah, it's tough. Um, I'd still say Kaprizov is just incredible. I think, like, yeah, age is definitely a factor. And, you know, Stutzla's 19. The, the future is, you know, kind of so bright for both of them. But um, I'd still give it to Kaprizov just from, you know, my point I said before. He's literally transformed that Minnesota team. And, and while Stutzla has been a great piece of Ottawa, I think, like, just their overall team success is still like not quite there. There are a few pieces away, but I think Kaprasov's made Minnesota like a contender in the playoffs and like a real legitimate threat to really knock out anyone in that Western conference. So I'd still give it to him, but it, it would definitely be a tough argument. So what are your thoughts? Who would you lean with in that situation? Yeah, I agree uh, with a lot of the stuff you said. Uh, Kaprasov coming into Minnesota. No, he really looks like he's kind of given them a spark that they didn't have for a long time. And that's kind of just excite, excitement, really, right? They've had such a boring team for years. They've had an old team. So it's nice to see a young guy kind of with some more skill and, and uh, pizzazz come in there and, and, you know, kind of change things around. But to me, I'm I'm more impressed with Stutzel um, when I watch him play. He is He's all over the place, all over the ice. He's buzzing around. He's he's making things happen. He's And he's 19 years old. And it just... It's crazy to think that at such a young age you can come into a, a league like the NHL and you know play on the first power play and, and you know kind of kind of demand the respect from other teams that he does. Uh, it's pretty cool, um, but obviously it would be pretty tough to take it away from Kaprizov at this point. He's had a, he's had an unbelievable first season, um, and I, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. 
Um, moving on to the defenseman of the year, the Norris. Um, you actually said Quinn Hughes from Vancouver, and I said John Klingberg. Um, what are your thoughts so far on this? Both of them might not be Norris candidates this year. Uh, who do you think is going to take this one? I think we were both just looking for a stretch to kind of impress the audience when we thought we were going to be right. But um, what we failed to, I guess, remember is just how dominant Victor Hedman was in the playoffs and really his whole career. And that's translated to this year as well, in my opinion. He's leading defenseman in scoring. Tampa Bay is having success as a team, and he's really kind of that key cog on the back end. So I think Hedman's a guy that's um, kind of the clear-cut favorite for the Norris, in my opinion, at this point, midseason. But another couple names that I'll throw at you um, that could really make a push. What about McAvoy in Boston or Jeff Petrie in Montreal? We'll give a shout-out for any Habs fans listening. Yeah, well, one, I think I said last week that Petrie was – a dud for fantasy so oh no I'll, I'll admit now that i was wrong there he's had a pretty good week uh he has 25 points which is unbelievable for him um but i swear if he gets the norris trophy i'm gonna lose it because <laughs> there's no way he's the best defenseman in the nhl i can't i can't do it um going to mcavoy your other point there uh, i really like mcavoy a uh, really good young player it's been exciting to see um him kind of take that top role in Boston with Chara gone, right? Um, that was one of the reasons why Boston chose not to re-sign Chara. Uh, he wanted to return, um, but they wanted to give you know more ice to some of these younger guys. And it's paying off. McAvoy's having kind of a breakout year and really taking that top role. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? And then maybe touch on Petrie as well. Yeah, I think McAvoy's looked incredible. One thing to keep in mind there is uh, Matt Grislick was kind of pushing for the power play time, you know, being that defenseman on the power play. And he's actually come back from injury. He was out for a couple of weeks. So he's been playing incredible himself. So I think that may hurt McAvoy's case in the long run as Grislick may chew into his power play time and ultimately take a couple points away from him, which really matters for the Norris race. But doesn't get away from the fact that McAvoy, I think he's 23-24, and he is so good. He is incredible, and he's a great guy in the playoffs too. He's that guy you can kind of roll out every other shift against the other team's best players and shut them down uh, night in and night out. So, um, yeah, if that's taken into account, I think McAvoy will be right in there, but you kind of have to have the points to also back that up, similar to like what Hedman and Petrie are doing. But it'll be interesting, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't think he's going to win an Norris this year, but I could definitely see him winning one during his career, so um, or maybe more than one. But um, Some other names to just kind of point out there for that one too is uh, one, Morgan Riley. Um, he's actually been having a kind of a quiet, really good season for points. Uh, I don't know if his defensive game has been as good this year, so I, maybe that hurts him in the Norris candidate. But um, I know he was, a, I think he was in the top three a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. So do you think he could maybe, if he has a strong second half, he jump, jump his way up into that conversation? Yeah, I think if he has a strong second half, he can definitely establish himself in the hunt for that. Um, I wouldn't say he's kind of one of the front runners to maybe overtake some of the guys we've already talked about, especially because there is so much, you know, offensive firepower on the Leafs that really kind of take the spotlight away from him. Let me ask you this, Jay. Um, do you think Morgan Riley is a must-have guy or a luxury piece for an NHL team? So you're saying, do I think that he helps a team win, kind of? or Yeah, do you think he's like kind of a part of the Leafs' core, or he's kind of that outside guy looking in that's like a nice luxury piece to have? I think he is a part of their core in Toronto. Um, but I think that's maybe just because he's been there for quite a while, and you know he was drafted there, and kind of a guy they've been shaping to to be a number one defenseman all this time um and he's also a, a, apparently really really good in the dressing room and a lot of guys kind of see him as one of the biggest leaders on the team so i think he is a big part of that team um do i think that he should be kind of the best defenseman on a really good team maybe not i i think you know he could be a really good kind of 1b guy where you know you have a I don't know. There's not like, I mean, a ton, a ton of guys who are a lot better than him, but you know, maybe you have a really, really good defenseman. He could be a really strong compliment piece um, for a team that's looking to, you know, win the cup. How about you? Do you think that he's just a luxury piece? I don't know. I go back and forth on this as a Leafs fan. I think there's some games where he just looks incredible and can really control, you know, like 
it's always great to see him jump up in the flow of things and kind of get involved on the offensive end. But there's other times where I'm like, man, would he be a guy that you can move for a really solid stay-at-home D-man? And that's kind of like the missing piece the Leafs need to make a playoff push. I don't know. Um, it's tough to really decide. But uh, yeah, no, I'd have to lean. He's more of a luxury piece for me in terms of just a pure player. And I think if I were to build a team from scratch, Morgan Riley's not on my shortlist of defensemen I'd want to build around. But hey, uh, beggars can't be choosers. He's been a Leaf for, I think, eight years now. So I don't want to knock on the guy too hard. He's done a lot for the blue and white. And um, he looks like he's very much in the prime of his career right now. So hopefully he can have a good second half of the season here. Yeah. So moving on to the Vesna um, for, you know, best goalie this year. We talked to Vasilevsky a bit. Uh, he's got a 932 save percentage and 18 wins. Pretty impressive. Um, if, you know, we're going strictly off numbers, I think he's the clear front runner. Um, just a couple other names that are kind of staying out there as guys who are playing really well. Um, Philip Grubauer in Colorado, we've mentioned a little bit too. Um, and Fleury in Vegas. So they're both at 15 and 16 wins. Um, and they both have four shutouts. So pretty close to Vasilevsky. Could be interesting over the last, you know, half of the season to kind of watch that. And then another name I want to throw out there too is uh, Connor Hellebuck from Winnipeg. Not as high a save percentage, still has, you know, 12 wins, which is respectable. Um, but he's really looked good lately and, and kind of helped Winnipeg, who, you know, they don't have a strong decor, really. So um, maybe, you know, the voters might say he kind of helped carry that team to a playoff spot if they make it. So uh, would that help him maybe be in that conversation, in your opinion, or is it Vasilevsky clear winner? Yeah, well, I'd look like a bit of an idiot myself if I threw Vasilevsky in the heart race and didn't um, also say that he's my Vesna favorite right now. So... I, I, don't, I think he's in a tier of his own right now, personally, but, um, you know, seeing what, as you mentioned, Jay, like what Fleury, Grubauer, and even to a lesser extent, in my opinion, what Hellebuck's done has been really incredible, and I think that's a testament. You know, you look at those four teams, Tampa, Vegas, Colorado, and Winnipeg, they're all at the top of the standings for their respective divisions, so just goes to show how important goaltending is, and, um, you know, to touch on your Hellebuck point, He's a guy that could totally rise up and challenge, you know, Vasilevsky, Fleury, or Grubauer because Winnipeg looks great as a whole right now. They're hot, and Hellbook's a huge part of that. So if he can have a good second half, there's no reason why he can't be in the Vesna conversation, in my opinion. Um, okay, so the trade deadline is approaching us. Um, you know, it's the beginning of April. So let's just go through some kind of big names on the market um, if we think they're going to get moved and maybe some potential trades that you'd, you'd like to see or you think might happen so let's just start with some of the names um i'm gonna throw this guy out there just to start obviously he's, he's been a big name all year and in free agency last year but that's taylor hall signed his one-year deal with buffalo um that's not looking like it's worked out well he's you know some people are saying he might re-sign with buffalo but uh, do you could you see them maybe making a trade and trying to grab some of those future pieces that they need we've talked a lot about buffalo and i don't know why if I were the GM of Buffalo, I don't know why I'd feel the need to keep Hall around. He's on a one-year deal, so he could test the free agency waters anyways at the end of this year. So if you could get a piece for him and trade him to a contending team, um, I think that would be a great move for Buffalo to kind of kickstart this, you know, I don't want to know. I don't know if it's a rebuilding or kind of just a restarting phase, like getting some new faces in there. So a couple teams I'll throw out, Jay, that... Um, maybe interesting Taylor Hall landing spots but uh you know you think of Colorado they have a lot of great forwards but he'd be an awesome piece on maybe that first or second line or even Florida to a lesser extent I know there's been a lot of rumors about Florida maybe making a push for him and making a trade and uh kind of separating themselves from that tough division at the top so uh a do you think Hall will be dealt this trade deadline and b um do you think he'd be a good fit on either Florida or Colorado yeah I think you know it'd be stupid for them not to try and move him for at least something. I mean, if you're going to lose him in free agency or even you can resign him in free agency, if that's the play, but you know, move him for this year, some team's going to give a good, good piece for him as a rental. Um, and then you can kind of just start stalking your cupboards. If you're Buffalo, I, I thought he was going to go to Colorado in the off season. Um, they have some calories space and some calories, some, <laughs> Some salary space and uh, Are you hungry or something? Yeah, or? I'm watching my calorie count right now, so that's why I said it. No, uh, no, they had some salary space, and so I thought they were gonna bring in Hall, but 
you know, imagine adding Hall into that kind of top six and what that would do in Colorado. I think that would make them, you know, the heavy favorites to win the cup and it'd be pretty hard for any team to beat them. Um, I hadn't thought of Florida, which would be interesting um, with their salary cap if, if they can make it work. But seeing him maybe play alongside, I don't know, like a, a Huberto and Barkov or somewhere in that top six would be pretty cool too. Yeah, totally. Um, back to your Colorado point, I'm just reading an article here that says they could totally absorb his $8 million as Eric Johnson and Francouz's salaries are on LTIR. So right. that could be an awesome piece for them to add uh, just to make a push this year and then maybe renegotiate things in the offseason, whether they want to keep him long term or not. Yeah, and that'd be pretty scary to think that they could get him with the salary cap. Plus, they could probably add more because I think they have a, quite a bit of room still with all those guys. They've done a great job of, you know, giving themselves a good chance to win. So uh, let's move on to a, another name here. Um, there's been actually quite a bit of talk that uh, he's going to get traded. And that's that's Granlin from Nashville Predators. Um, there's been talk that he might get traded to the Leafs. Um, he's a really fast player. You know, he's pretty skilled. He's played top six minutes in Nashville. What are your thoughts there? Do you think he would be a good fit on that Tavares Nylander line? Yeah, well, he's been around the league for a while. He's a top prospect coming in. Um, I think he's 29, turning 30. So, you know, kind of that veteran piece. We did lose Jimmy VC. Um, I think he'd be an awesome piece on that Tavares and Nylander line and maybe be a little kickstart for them too. You know, they started off the season hot, but the last couple games they've tailed off a bit and Keefe uh, hasn't been quiet about that in his post-game press conferences that he needs more out of both Willie and and Johnny so you know adding someone like Granlund he's skilled he's fast and could really add you know another offensive weapon to um, that already large repertoire they have so I would I would totally ship that if I'm the Leafs I don't know what you give in return whether it's draft capital or maybe a young prospect but uh, if Dubas can make it work and kind of keep them under the cap I know they're pretty constrained already uh i'm on board for that yeah what do you think yeah i really like his speed um he never really you know took off in nashville like he was hoping to uh, but before that he was in minnesota and he was really good playing along some alongside some really good top six forwards so you know maybe if he he finds a role like that with the leafs and playing with guys like willie and Tavares, or maybe matthews and marner like that and with his speed he could probably be pretty lethal there um how about any other trades, though, Matt? Um, any trades in specific that you can think of that you think might happen before uh, the deadline? Yeah. No, I know we touched on Hall, but another big name that's getting thrown around in the offseason to kind of keep this Nashville Predators trend going is Philip Forsberg. This is a guy that, you know, is probably more of a long-term trade piece. You know, I know he's coming into the last year of his contract, but he's 26 years old. He's having a really solid year on an national team that's just not looking like they're in playoff contention so let me throw out a trade idea for you what's your opinion on the islanders trading probably a prospect and some draft capital it'd have to be a first rounder for forsberg i don't know if you saw this but anders lee's out for the year the islanders are you know fighting washington for the top spot in their division and he would be an awesome replacement to maybe fit alongside playing with barzell what do you think of that do you think uh forsberg would uh thrive in the islanders yeah i'd really like to see um forsberg and barzell play together as i as i have barzell in fantasy and he's having a good year and that would probably only make his value go up so um no i think you know forsberg's a really good player um he's had a couple not not bad years but just not quite the years that people were expecting from him uh, he was a big prospect coming into nashville and He's really found it this year, and unfortunately, you know, the rest of Nashville hasn't. It's, it's sad to see, but he's really found his stride, and, you know, they could get quite a bit for him, I think, it, especially if they somehow did a sign and trade where they, you know, give him an extension and then, you know, trade him to a team where he's going to stay longer term, then they're going to get even more. But a really good player and, and would be an interesting piece for any team to add um, at the deadline. And it's going to be interesting for us to follow for, you know, the next month or so um, as the deadline unfolds and kind of where these these guys move to. Um, yeah, it'll just give us some good talking points on the next few episodes. So we, we're really looking forward to that. Um, but Matt, it's probably a good place to kind of wrap it up for this week. Uh, quickly, just though, before we go, why don't you just give a quick shout out to everyone listening? You know what? I think I want to lead off with a shout out to some of our past guests, you know, uh, I guess kind of the trend of the players we've brought on early on in the pod are they're kind of guys that are starting out their career. Some are kind of fighting for a spot on the roster and some are just kind of dipping their toes in NHL water. So two that come to mind, Mason Marchment, 
you know, since uh, we talked to him, he scored a couple goals. I think he has six points in 11 games for Florida, and he looks to really have, you know, kind of defined a role in that team. Uh, it would be a bit surprising if he, um, you know, can't make a future in that roster. And also Logan Stanley. As a Leafs fan, it was awesome to talk to him a couple weeks ago and watch him play against the Leafs for Winnipeg. So, you know, he's kind of been bouncing up and down from the taxi squad, but and the games he's appeared for Winnipeg, he's looked incredible and uh, definitely a piece that they're going to build around for the future. So I think it's exciting to talk about some of these, you know, uh, or kind of see some of our guests really thrive after they come on the podcast. I don't want to take credit for that myself, Jay. I know uh, you don't either, but um, yeah, it's awesome to see. Yeah, well, we, t- we touched on it last week. Um, you know, Delandria scored his first goal right after recording the podcast. Marchman scored his first goal right after recording the podcast. Stanley actually got his first assist right after recording the podcast. So, I mean, it's a trend that we're that we're seeing. And, and for any of, you know, young players out there looking for that first goal, like, hit us up. Come come on as guests and you'll get that first one. Uh, but also, um, did you get a chance to listen to Spit and Chicklets last episode where they actually did uh, Keith Yandel from Florida was talking about Marchman and uh, kind of saying how, how good of a guy he is in the room and stuff like that and kind of how he's found a role there? Yeah, it was hilarious. If any listeners kind of missed that episode, basically what happened was the Spit and Chicklets guys asked Yandel, um, you know, who's kind of the clowns in the locker room this year? And he didn't hesitate at all to say Mason Marchman. Um he was giving him a bit of a hard time about how many massages uh, Mush gets uh, in between games. But it was funny to see, and it was also awesome to see, you know, kind of some of these older guys like Yandel, you know, love having him around the locker room and, uh, you know, knowing Mason growing up. And um, it, we can both speak highly of him. And he's a great guy. He's a funny guy. And uh, it's awesome to see him kind of thriving in Florida there. Yeah, it's really good to see. Um, it's nice that he's kind of producing and hope hopefully he can continue to do that. Um, but before we go, I just want to, you know, say thanks to all the people who are listening, who take the time to to like, follow, subscribe, all, all the above. Um, we really appreciate it. And um, it's been really fun bringing you content and we can't wait to you know bring you more. But any other thoughts to add to that, Matt? Yeah, no. Uh, thanks. Thanks a ton, guys, to anyone who's kind of followed along. It's crazy. We're on episode six and midway through the season. I think, um, you know, one thing myself and Jade speak a lot off air is about you know how we can bring the best content and what we've decided is really kind of doing a mix between what we did today which is just two of us kind of spewing about our our thoughts in the hockey world right now and also bringing on some guests in the future so I know we got some uh interesting players hopefully lined up coming on in the next couple episodes as well as you know maybe something different uh thinking about you know guys in the sports business and the hockey business world so definitely really excited about the future of of the pod and uh to continue bringing you guys content so um thanks for listening and uh you know if you can show your appreciate appreciation on social media or give us a review that's uh that would be really uh well regarded yeah still no review so still review list for standing room only pretty sad that you know the listeners that make it this far still don't just go scroll down and uh, leave us a review but who knows maybe next time we'll have someone to give a shout out for anyways matt it's been a pleasure like always my friend um have a good week and i look forward to doing episode seven next week absolutely see you guys next week